All right. How's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run the Real featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we are back and we're continuing on with requests. People requested stuff. How about that? What a twist. More people should do it. Yes. We'll get there eventually. See? We're doing it. See? We're here. It's a revolving category. Ah, yeah. Like a revolving door. Always comes back. Anyways, we teased it last week, but we're gonna review Spirited Away. I know the person who requested this wanted us to, like, fight over it, but I don't think that's gonna happen. That doesn't sound like us. We'll see. Yeah, when have we ever argued about movies before? I mean... That never happens. We never argue. Yes, it's always civil. Nobody's ever once been heated. But anyways, let me just blow through the logistics stuff here. Spirited Away was released in 2001, currently on IMDb. It has 8.6 out of 10 with a 97% tomato meter and a 96% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. It won one Oscar for Best Animated Film in the year 2001. Ah, interesting. It is directed by none other than Hayao Miyazaki, the man, the myth, the legend. He's coming out of retirement again. Yes. <laughs> Is he really? For 2020. He, you can't keep him down. Fun fact, he was about to retire before this movie, but he came back to make <laughs> Spirited Away. <laughs> yeah, he's done that like many times. Why even bother at this point? Why announce your big retirement? Like, just don't do anything. You don't have to tell the world that. Just, just be like, <laughs> take a break. Because none of us believe you anymore, sir. None of us. Yes. We don't want you to retire either. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, yeah, keep going by all means. Anyways, just a quick synopsis I've got here. If you haven't seen the movie, we've, uh, the main character is a little girl named Chihiro. And uh, her family's moving into the suburbs. And they wander kind of into this uh, spiritual world unknowingly and she becomes trapped there and her parents become pigs after they gorge themselves on food and she has to find a way to turn them back into human but this is kind of a very light synopsis there's a lot of other stuff in this story that's like the driving factor but it's not really the main focus of the movie no yeah it's just to get her there yeah pretty much what do you guys think of spirited away so i'm just gonna bring this up right now i know we had a a hot theory and Dr. Sleep. And now it's my turn for a hot theory. Oh, boy. <laughs> We've got more theories. This is good. But just to be uh, clear, I did not look up this theory beforehand, so this may not be a hot take. But uh, we'll see. This is the first time I've ever watched this movie, but I'll bring it up when the time arises. Oh, you just teased this. What is this, the clickbait review? You won't <laughs> believe his hot theory. <laughs> Stay towards the end of the review. But don't skip. <laughs> don't skip this review, or you might miss it. Can't believe this is your first time seeing this TV. I'm surprised, too, but I shouldn't say much, because first time I saw it was like six years ago, so I was late to the party as well. This is the first Miyazaki film I ever saw, actually. Uh, my wife showed it to me, because she loves Miyazaki. And she might have been the one who picked this movie for a request. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think my first was Princess Mononoke. Yeah, we watched that together. That was good. Yeah. 
And then we, I think I've seen, uh, what is it, Howl's Moving Castle? Yeah. Saw that one, and then I've seen this one. So, Oh, and Lupin, which you can listen to in our archives. We've got that review up. For some reason, it's weirdly popular in our downloads, but... <laughs> it was a good one. For some reason, I thought this was the one with, like, the blue bunny, but this was had no blue bunny in it. No, nah, that's Totoro. Oh. No, I don't think that's a bunny. <laughs> oh, it's not a bunny. He's like a raccoon demon, right? It's like a forest spirit of some sort. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. Judging by this movie, you could probably make an argument that it's connected to Totoro. Just, that That's just my speculation. I haven't seen Totoro yet, but... If he's a spirit, then it would make sense, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of weird stuff walking around in this movie. There's like a dude who's like literally just a blanket with a face laying on it that walks around. <laughs> I love it. I love no face. Not that guy. The big guy on the bridge at the beginning. He's like a giant green blanket just walking around with like a mask laying on it. Or like the giant turnip spirit. I love that guy. Oh, the radish spirit. Man, he's the best. He was like crazy. He had feet and arms. He didn't even look like a radish, except for his face. <laughs> his, his arms kind of looked radishish. He was amazing. I loved a radish guy. There's so many cool, creative spirits in this film. It's great. There's something to see in every frame. And you'll see something new every time you watch it, which is awesome, too. Yes, I would describe this as a visual wonderland. Is you can just see all this new stuff every time, and it's just like so crazy. So much stuff that catches your eye. It's great. Like the three bouncing heads. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I hate those guys. <laughs> Them guys are the best. They're freaky. They're always rolling around going. <laughs> Man, when I was a kid, those dudes were so scary. <laughs> I'm like, were those once people who worked for her that she just turned into bouncing heads? Or did they come like that? <laughs> yeah, what kind of spirit are they? Are they just head spirits? Are they the spirits of severed heads? Is that a thing? They're shrunken heads. When you get turned into a shrunken head, you get you turn into one of them guys and you go to the bathhouse. <laughs> you get to be a giant head in the afterlife? Yeah. I just love when they get turned into the baby and they just start stuffing their face with the chocolate. <laughs> so I was like, that's what I would do if I was a giant head and got turned into something with arms. <laughs> yeah, and a stomach. Finally, we can eat. So easy to eat now. I will say, I know nothing about Japanese mythology. So <laughs> this is all pretty crazy. Like, don't know where it all comes from. But it all, it all kind of works, though, I think. You don't really need to know what, like, what these things are. Just kind of know that this is a place where lots of crazy stuff walks in and out. Yeah. It's like the whole original Star Wars thing, right, where it's the first time people have seen anything like that. And there's so many different aliens and stuff in the cantina and in the Rebel Alliance and everything. It, it, it's just like that, but all over again. It's so creative. That's that's something I love about Miyazaki is he's always so creative with his films and they always look so good. Even if the film's not like great, it's still got a lot to give to you, which is wonderful. Yeah, exactly. That's what I love about Miyazaki's movies is the art is always so detailed 
and so interesting. Everything has, you know, a personal touch to it from an artist or from Miyazaki himself. Something I saw from a review about this movie was like the lamppost when they go visit the uh, Zababa or whatever her name's sister. This lamppost comes out and it like hops to him. It's just this little lamppost. It's so subtle, but that could have been a number of different things, but it's not. It's just a little hopping lamppost. It's kind of magical and interesting to see. And he puts that twist on everything he does. Ah, so see here, you've already walked me right into my theory perfectly. I didn't think it would be this easy. Is it that the lamppost is the Pixar lamppost? Curse you! (laughs) (laughs) You ruined my theory. How could you? Was that really your theory? (laughs) Yes. Terry, I had the same theory. I had the same theory when we watched it. I, we, I, I had my wife pause it, and I was like, you think that was him making a dig at Pixar? <laughs> I can't believe this. You just ruined everything. <laughs> I didn't know that was your theory. That's like it a makes... confirmed thing he said, that it's oh, a really? nod to Pixar. <laughs> oh. Because it makes the sound... <laughs> I'm sorry I ruined your theory, TV. (laughs) Well, I guess I could have done a little cursory research to see if someone, he had actually confirmed this before I made some mad claims and I'd come up with a theory. It's kind of a nod, like a professional, like you guys are killing it with computer animation over there. He's still drawing because at the time when this movie came out, there was a ton of stuff that was just going to computer animation, mainly from Pixar and... uh, like DreamWorks, I think the first Shrek came out around this time. You know, it it's cool that he did that nod to him, but I'm going to just say Pixar's movies are eventually going to get to where they don't look so great, but Miyazaki's films are going to look great forever. Yeah, you can already kind of see that. Like if you go watch um, the original Toy Story again, which which I did recently, it's still great movie, great story, even Toy Story 2, but like you said, yeah, they don't age well compared to if you watch Toy Story 4, Toy Story 3, or any of these animated movies that came out around uh, similar to this time that are computer animated, yeah, you can tell the age on them. The technology moves very quickly with that stuff, yeah. You can compare it to like a painting too, like a like the Mona Lisa, that's going to last for a long time. Whereas uh, you go play some PS2 game, yeah, it doesn't <laughs> got nothing on it, you know? Better yet, play a PS2 game with the Mona Lisa in the game. Oh, yeah. Some <laughs> there you go. Artception there. And that's a strength of Miyazaki, though, is all of his movies look good. And you can tell how he improves with his hand-drawn animation and all that, too, as time goes on. I mean, we watched this on Blu-ray yesterday, and I was amazed at how good the film still looks. And it's the same with all his old ones, too, like Nausicaa, for instance. We watched that, oh, a few months ago. And it still looks really good, and that's an old movie. (laughs) That's true. You know, something else I really like about Miyazaki films is the music. It's always so good. 
And, you know, I think Spirited Away has the best musical score of all of his films. Like, just listening to it makes me tear up. Yeah, there are some moments for me, yeah, where that happened, too. It's it's so good. Like, I I think this is the best musical score in any of his films. It adds a ton, too. Like, even in the beginning when her, their parents are eating that food, it just starts to get really weird and kind of creepy. And it's just like, ugh. I started to get so, like, anxious. And I was like, man, they're just some eating some food, you know? It's not that scary, but... You could tell something's wrong with that. And like the theme with No Face, Ooh. that was awesome. With like the percussive hits, it was like charming yet eerie at the same time. I don't know. Yeah. Like it just made me hesitant and nervous. Yeah. It was very good. Well done. Yeah. It's so good. Like at times, it reminds me of uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild soundtrack with just the light piano in the background. And then it gets intense. And then whatever the score is towards the end of the movie, where Chihiro and Haku are like falling from the sky and he's like, you help me remember my name, you know. That was so good, so powerful. Like, it's kind of a cheesy moment when you think about it outside of that. But with the experience of watching it with the art, the music, the characters together in there. And in context of the story. Yeah, and it really works. It's a powerful scene. It is. Yeah. I'm going to say the name wrong. Joe, he's... Hisashi or something like that. I'm very sorry. Um, He's done, I'm looking at his um, compositions. He's done a ton of Miyazaki's things. He did Nausicaa, Castle in the Sky, Totoro, Kiki's Delivery Service, Porco Rosso, Princess Mononoke, um, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle. So like all the classics, but you know, it's something about the one for this this one. It's it's like perfect. It's great. Another thing that was nice about this, just watching that, came across my mind like while I was watching this. It was, you know, I haven't watched something like this wholesome feeling in a very long time. <laughs> and it was very nice, you know, kind of cathartic. <laughs> usually, you know, I'm either watching really bad like B-movies or I'm watching like dark, gritty stuff. And yeah, this was... This was a very nice change of pace. It's like, wow, you know, this is just great. Kind of gave me like a childlike sense of wonder almost. Just like, ah, I'm back. Exactly. That's why I love this movie so much because it captures that feeling so perfectly. There's few other movies that capture it, I think, in the way that this one does. It's so wholesome. It's just a movie that you can put on and get lost in. Get lost in the world, the music, the experience. I think... Chihiro is pretty annoying for most of the movie, but everything else I love. Yeah, it. well, the main focus of this film is Chihiro growing up, essentially, is what it's about. So being able to experience it in this way is really, really cool. It's a unique take on it. It's done so really well and takes you back to like how you thought when you were a child. And like seeing everything for the first time and experiencing it in your own way. And then coming to terms with how you fit in with this universe you're discovering. It's really cool. It accomplishes all that, but it still does manage to put in some darker themes and elements. Like it's pretty bloody movie. Yeah, I was so surprised by that. Yeah, there's one scene where there's just like blood gushing everywhere. I was very surprised by that, but I liked it. I think it adds like a really interesting 
tone to the movie, you know, like bad stuff does happen and things can get serious when they need to get serious. It's not all fun and games. Yeah. And like no face is super freaky in parts of this film. The parents turning into swine and then all the um, later scenes with that is pretty scary. And then just seeing Chihiro trying to process all that and break down is very distressing to watch and makes you sad. Yeah, there's some pretty big themes about uh, greed and gluttony in this movie. Because like when No-Face shows up with all the gold, the the bathhouse goes nuts. Yeah. They're like, get him the best stuff. And he's in there like eating people too. And they're still like, suck all the gold out of him. You can get him to pay. I've seen a lot of people who do really deep dives and analysis on this movie compare it to Japan's culture after World War II, where they were starting to delve into capitalism and a capitalistic society and were giving up kind of their old traditional ways, a lot of people were. That's kind of an interesting take I never caught watching this movie, but watching other reviews, I was like, you know what, I can definitely see it now that this is a light subtext and theme of this movie. Yeah, I'd say it's very light in comparison to the other themes on here, uh, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely not as heavy-handed as Princess Mononoke is with its theme and message. <laughs> you should watch Nausicaa. That one is extremely heavy-handed to it to its detriment. He is really big on hitting on like modernization and moving away from traditional values towards more like contemporary things, like making money and yeah, decadence. And that's that's something I didn't pick up the first time. I watched it. Well, I probably picked it up, but just forgot about it because of all the other stuff in this one. But yeah, it, it's not a Miyazaki film unless it's got that um, nature and protecting nature element in there. Because there's the whole thing where the river spirit shows up to the bath and they pull out the bicycle and all the crap from society that we dump into the rivers and then that cleans them up and he goes on his way and then Haku's real name he's another river spirit but he basically died because they filled in the river and built apartments on top of them and stuff like that so it's always yeah it's something that's always present and it's a good thing to be present but for me I kind of like it when he <laughs> explores other topics more because that's something he always puts in his films you know, I will say we were talking about uh, the sense of wonder and wholesomeness and the coming of age thing. And I guess maybe this is the time to bring this up. This this one is not my favorite Miyazaki, but Chihiro does annoy me enough that it does sometimes pull me out of that lulled sense of wonder and wholesomeness. And I'm like, good God. It's like, somebody quiet this child down, please. Why is she always got to be screaming? Why is she so rude? And then I'm like, man. I'm so old, <laughs> but the brashness of it really pulls me out, though. You've got a valid point, and that's, that's a criticism I have of it, too. At least for the English dub of this movie, um, the voice actress for Chihiro is not great. She's not terrible, but she's not great. And she resorts to yelling most of her lines throughout the movie, which is a shame, I think, because like Fox aptly put, 
it takes you out of it a bit because it's this little kid yelling for half the film. I don't know about the Japanese um, version of it, so I can't comment on that. This actress who did Chihiro, she was very young when she did this role, and she was guided by John Lasseter, who did Toy Story. And this uh, actress, she went on to be Lilo from Lilo and Stitch. Oh, really? Yep. And then she went on to star in, like, uh, The Ring and stuff like that. What? Well. But, yeah, what? she was... She's the the little girl in The Ring, yes. A year... The, well, the same year she did uh, this voice uh, for Chihiro, she was also the younger sister for uh, Donnie Darko. Oh, really? She's done a lot of stuff. She's done a lot of stuff. She's a good actress. I don't think that her guidance for her performance in this movie was well done by John Lasseter. I wonder if it's that way in the sub, too, because if you watch a lot of anime, the main character is super whiny for, like, a lot of anime. Yes. Oh, man. Like, a <laughs> ton of anime. The main character is just this whiny, annoying character for a lot of it. So I think it's a cultural thing as well to where... The characters start out that way and you get to see them progress. It's just a very annoying progression to watch for us. I think you're right. And that's probably kind of part of the point, right? Is that she probably is supposed to be annoying and then come of age and be better. Yeah. She mixes in with that yelling out her lines, a lot of actually really good voice work too. So it, it, it's odd. It feels like it's something she resorts back to a lot when she needs to get out some sort of emotion. And it's not all her fault, like we talked about. She was directed to do it that way, but... When they do it for comedic effect, I really like it. I think it's kind of funny, but... Like when she's asking for a job from the, the witch lady, stuff like that, I think it's really good. But yeah, she does do it a little too much, I think. I won't, I won't, it would never took me out of the movie, I will say, but it did get a little much. Something else, too, I want to bring up is we've praised this film a lot for its abstract concepts and all the backing detail and work that went into making this movie so good. But let's talk about the actual plot of the film. Because the plot of the film is a mess. There's not, like, you get the, the call to action and the driving force behind Chihiro's um, quest, and then... The movie turns into her just wandering around and experiencing different things that are going on in the spirit world. There's not much like concrete story or plot that's happening to drive the character forward, really. It feels, for most of the film, like she's just wandering around an amusement park and going on all the rides, so to speak. Which I don't think is great from... A plot perspective at all i think the movie would have benefited a lot from having a much tighter plot like something like um castle in the sky or princess mononoke for example those are very tight focused films and they benefit a lot from it whereas this one it's it meanders a lot it ties into that whimsical theme but I don't think that's great for a movie format. 
I worked for me. That's kind of why I liked it. Was it was felt kind of almost dreamlike a little bit when she's in this world. It's all kind of just stuff's happening and it's kind of weird and she's just moving from place to place. I kind of got a lot of enjoyment just like walking around the world with her. Yeah, but they can do that and still keep that concrete plot going through the entire film. It's there though. I mean, her the concrete plot. I mean, it's not strong, I guess, but her her whole like uh, goal is to get the parents back at the end, but. She has to wait for Haku, which I guess isn't a strong thing, but it never, I really liked that. It was kind of more dreamy and spacey and kind of just was doing whatever it wanted to almost. See, that 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 is a bit of personal preference too. I don't really like when movies do it that way. Like Mandy was another big one that was very dreamlike. <laughs> well, that's just one big acid trip. <laughs> that's what this is kind of too, a little bit, just not like extreme. Yeah, and that is a preference thing. Like, I don't like that kind of plot quotation marks for a film, though I would say Mandy even has a stronger plot and is more focused than this film is. Because for me, it's like anytime your main character is waiting on a sub-character to do something, it kind of, it loses something in the process, right? And and comparing it to his other works like Princess Mononoke or Nausicaa or Castle in the Sky or even um, Lupin the Third, he still manages to get that whimsy and mysticism and like wonderment across while still having that concrete, definite plot structure that keeps your character always moving forward instead of treading water. I don't disagree with you on that stuff, but kind of how if you go read the first uh, blurb of trivia on imdb about this one uh miyazaki does not plan out his story for almost any of his movies um this is a quote from miyazaki i don't have the story finished and ready when we start work on a film i usually don't have the time so the story develops when I start drawing storyboards. The production starts very soon thereafter, while the storyboards are still developing. And so, yeah, he doesn't know where the plot's going when he starts it, and he lets it happen organically. It's very evident in this film. <laughs> yeah, what he says is, it's not me who makes the film. The film makes itself, and I have no choice but to follow. So That sounds like something he would say. <laughs> I, I would disagree with him somewhat on that, but... <laughs> that is how it feels, though. It just kind of tells itself a little bit. It just kind of does its own thing. It, it for sure does its own thing. And to the movie's credit... I, I'm criticizing it for not having a good plot structure and treading water a lot, but it still managed to keep me engaged and engrossed throughout the film, no matter what was going on. So that's a testament to the quality of the film. Even though it's not doing good in one aspect, it still has me completely engrossed and engaged in what's going on. As long as I've got that, I usually ain't. I'm not too picky about the plot. As long as I'm entertained and I'm having fun with it, then it's doing something right, for me at least. I just, I think if it had that more concrete plot structure and had more of a sense of urgency for the main character, it would have made it even better and probably would have been my favorite out of his movies. Yeah, I'd say that's personal preference because I definitely like that it doesn't have those things in this movie. I like how casual and relaxed it is on how it approaches a lot of these plot points that happen in it. And 
that the sense of urgency is not there. I like those things because it kind of makes this more of an experience for me and a world I can get lost in. You know, it, it's it's pretty, I guess, I've heard this term a lot, Miyazaki magic. It's like, this is like textbook Miyazaki magic, this whole movie to me. Yeah, and and I can see that, yes. But I guess my counter would be, if if he's going to make a film like that, then why have the parents there at all? Why have them turn into pigs and then have the impending doom of them being eaten by the people who work there? Because that's there. That's the whole call to action. And then they kind of forget about it to go on this whimsical journey and tread water with the main plot. And then they, they throw in a line here or there to be like, ah, oh, we're going to eat your parents. But it doesn't really have much consequence on the film because it's going to do its own thing regardless. She's got to have a connection to the real world still too, I think is what's important with that. It's, it keeps her like, it pulls her back from this dreamlike state, which is kind of almost the fear I had in this movie it was like, is she just going to forget about everything and just stay here forever? Like, is she forgetting about, which I think was maybe kind of part of it too. You know, there's a whole threat in this movie about forgetting your name and kind of getting sucked into this world. And that is kind of what happens to her a little bit. But then why have such a horrific and impending doom situation like they put in the film? Why not have her like be really good friends with somebody and that somebody didn't get sucked in or whatever. And then that friendship is the anchor that brings her back and keeps her from forgetting who she really is, right? Something that's less urgent, less pressing, but still allows her to keep that connection so they can go on this whimsical adventure and do all this whimsical stuff. Tread water as much as you want. I just don't think it fits very well with that scenario that we have at the start of the film. I'm I'm, a, I'm with I'm kind of with Dan, you know. I, I get where Dan's coming from here. I agree to some extent. I think my thing is that my favorite Miyazaki movies, right? They're like an adventure. And I like the meandering feel he has when it's an adventure. Like where are we gonna meander to next? What crazy location and bizarre situation are we gonna find ourselves in? And it's not to say that it doesn't happen in this movie, but it's generally, with the exception of that small cabin out in the swamp, confined to the bathhouse. And this movie feels so much more confined than the epic scale of his other ones that I love so much. That is true. Like, look at something like Castle in the Sky, for example. You've got um, these kids who live in this podunk neighborhood, pretty much, and then they get swept up on this huge adventure where they're chased by, like, the military they get abducted by pirates. They go across the country and eventually to the castle in the sky and all this crazy stuff happens. But then this one, it's all in that one location. So, yeah, I, I can see your point there, Fox. It doesn't bug me too much, though, in this one because of all the interesting things that happen in the bathhouse. They keep it interesting and varied up enough for me that I don't think it detracts too much from the film. But it is very much different from all those other movies, for sure, yeah. 
Well, I'm just going to throw this out there. If he truly makes his movies with no script and it's just like his mind pouring out onto paper and it's better than like almost everything else you see, even if it's a light story, tight structure. I mean, this movie is what, number 21 on the top 250 or 28 on top 250 on IMDb. I mean, this dude's mind is insane. And I like that I get to spend, you know, some time in this guy's head and he just pours it out on paper. So I'm perfectly fine with the way he does this. I'm fine with the light story structure. I honestly don't care about those other things so much because everything else is just so cool. I agree. You know, he's just like another uh, popular artist that we love on this podcast. Stephen King, he does the same thing. I think he just kind of <laughs> writes. I I mean... the. His brain is crazy, too. So, I mean, you get to read where his brain's going because he just dumps it out on the paper. So, Yeah, it's kind of hard to yeah imagine that thought process of just, like, writing and it just comes to be, you know. That seems wild to me. I'm not a writer or anything, but, man. it It's really cool when you get to experience something that, like, a true creative brain is just going to town and nothing's holding them back. And they're just doing their thing. It's so cool to get to see that and experience it. Well, and it's rare, too, that somebody can do that and not need to be reined in, really. Like, I mean, I've said my criticism. It's not really reining in. I just think it needed to be tighter. But I'm also going to throw out here that this movie was the one that got Miyazaki hugely popular in the U.S., Yes, this movie was huge in my little dinky town of a thousand people. That's why I know it. Kids at the library went nuts for it when I worked there. That's like why I had to see it so many times. <laughs> I would have thought one of his other ones, because he's got like a bunch before this one that are as good. Yeah, he's got a lot of work, but it was mostly over in Japan. Basically, all these other movies you're talking about, Dan, they would not have gotten dubs if it weren't for this one, probably. Because then Disney's like, this is massive. We need to get in on it now. And that's when, you know, John Lasseter took in on it and started doing the dub. And Then they bought the rights to a lot of Studio Ghibli movies for the dubs, which Miyazaki got mad He was not happy with a lot of the dubs that Disney was doing. I don't know how closely you guys followed prices on Studio Ghibli movies in the U.S. They are expensive. They used to be more expensive. They're a lot cheaper now. Well, if you want the original dubs before Disney took over, good luck. Unless you know somebody who bought them back when they came out, you're probably not going to get to ever see that. Well, and, and talking about that, too... My wife has a story actually about um, Totoro because she grew up on the original dub of that one. And then um, when she saw the Disney version, she's like, this is junk because the dub was so bad in comparison to the original dub of that film. So, yeah. And Miyazaki got mad about a lot of these and he threatened to take back the rights from Disney. I don't blame him. I mean, we criticized the dub of this one, too, so I could see why he would get mad about it. I will say, like, speaking about the plot, there was one part I thought could have been a little stronger in it. Um, Because that that boy is, like, the river dragon that she fell in as a kid or something. So, like, they 
they have a connection, but I never felt like the connection was very strong. Like there's some flashbacks of her underwater and stuff, but I was expecting it to have a lot more of an impact than kind of just being like, oh yeah, that one time I fell into the river, remember? Like I thought it was going to have a more, much more important part of the movie, but it kind of was just like, oh yeah, that was you. I remember. And then I think the intention there was that he saved her from drowning in the river when she was young. I think that was the intention behind that. Right, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking that maybe it'd be like more of just like, oh, by the way, this happened back in the day that I just remembered. I don't know. It didn't feel like it was very like strongly centered in the movie. It felt like it was supposed to be a twist, but it didn't feel like a twist. I, I don't know if it was supposed to be a, a twist, really, because he says at the beginning of the film that he knew who she was and like had always known. Oh, that's why she helped her in the beginning. Okay. And that's that's my complaint. I was washed away in the river. Never mind. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, they do kind of set it up a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Since we're talking about that, though, I, I do like that aspect of the story. I think it's cool because it it sets up that relationship really well. And you're you're sitting there thinking, huh, how the heck does this dude know who she is? Right? Because he's a spirit. And she's never been, like, dead before that we know of or in the spirit realm. So it's a really cool mystery that gets solved in the film. I was expecting her to have, like, died or something. I thought that was what the twist was going to be, but I'm kind of glad it didn't go that way. Kind of felt like it would have been a little too predictable and maybe a little too sad (laughs) for this movie. I don't know. I don't know. It makes you cry enough as it is, but yeah, (laughs) I, I was wondering about that actually when i was watching it i was like i was thinking is she really dead and then she's fighting to come back to life my thought process was at the start of the film he has to slam on the brakes right to um not hit that statue or whatever and i was thinking what if they really did hit the statue and they like all got ejected from the car and then they died that was kind of my thought process, too. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, maybe they all died in that car. Because he was, like, speeding, and everybody was telling him to slow down and stuff. I was like, hmm, maybe it's going to come back to this. But I don't think that's what he's going for, but it's it's an interesting way to take it. And I think you can make it work in the film. Maybe, yeah. The fact that they get out of it at the end, though, I feel like maybe not. Unless, like, I guess you could, you might be able to. I need to watch it again. I've only seen it once, so. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I don't think that's what he's doing at all, but it is interesting. Yeah, I think the fact that they all can like tell she's human, she doesn't belong here, kind of disproves it. Does anybody have anything else about this one? We want to hit some overall presentation. I'm ready. I ain't got nothing. Who's gonna give the first overall presentation? Well, first, we must hear the grand scale before we can proceed. Ah! Neatly refined and perfected over the years to cover all bases and never have any conflicts. Yeah, the rules of the bathhouse, if you will. Ah, yes. So the first is burn it, um, then we've got pass, we got watch it, and we got buy it in that order. Uh, we all kind of give a little summary of what we think, and then we average it out the end. For sure, no problems ever arise from trying to average it out nope. because it's such a perfect scale. <laughs> Not once. Never. 
So I'll just jump in here before you guys grab your random pickers. Um, Are you sure? It might pick someone else this time. We could, you know, cast the bones. You never know. I've got all these bones laying around. (laughs) What else am I supposed to do with them? Someone could read the entrails. Wait. (laughs) This ain't that type of movie, dude. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. This wholesome box. (laughs) So I'm just going to start out here with a actual quote that Miyazaki said in an interview with The Guardian, and they asked him why he tells children's stories, and he says that he believes children's souls are the inheritors of historical memory from previous generations. Just that as they grow older and experience the everyday world, that memory sinks slower and lower. I feel I need to make a film that reaches down to that level. If I could do that, I would die happy. And I'd say, Miyazaki, you've done it. This movie is amazing it makes me feel like a kid i gotta give it a buy it i already bought it i bought it when it was 25 bucks um and i had no problem paying money that money for it this movie is amazing it's his best movie in my opinion i I can forgive all the any gripes i have about it just because it's so miyazaki magic it's awesome you know this this is not my favorite miyazaki and i mind you i do love me some miyazaki so it's not to say that it's not a good movie, and maybe I'm just jaded. I don't know. I worked at a library for five years, and good lord, I, I think we like burned through the disc. The kids watched this <laughs> so many times. I mean, I was like 13, you know, whatever. It's like 13 through 18. I was a kid. Maybe I've just seen it too much, or maybe I just don't like people who yell a lot. I don't know. Something about Chihiro and the yelling really gets under my skin after a while. But... That's not to say that it isn't a gorgeous film with some really cool themes and a freaking wild variety of crazy characters of maybe epic proportions in and of themselves. Although the movie is not as epic as what I've often come to expect from Miyazaki. I think he set a pretty high bar for himself in that regard. I gotta give it a watch it. I don't know if I would buy this one. But, you know, that said, obviously, Mad Mike bought it. My girlfriend bought it. It's one of her favorite movies. We do have a copy in the house. <laughs> so, I guess, yeah. But you didn't buy it. <laughs> yeah. Take my saltiness with a, a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, this movie's really good. Um, it awoken, yeah, like a childlike sense of wonder in me again. And, you know, I don't watch movies like this very often. But I'm so glad I watched this. Um it's visually amazing. I love the world that they create with this. The bathhouse is awesome. All these kooky and crazy spirits wandering around. No face is really cool. He's creepy, yet friendly, yet funny all at the same time. And he's even terrifying sometimes. Very complicated character, I would say. Um, yeah, I'm going to give this a bite. I don't know. It's So far, I've only seen three Miyazaki movies. But right now, this is tied for my favorite with Princess Mononoke, so a definite buy it for me. I'm just glad that I had purchased it already. (laughs) I owned it before I'd seen it, um, and it was a a wise choice to invest in. So Spirited Away has pacing issues. The plot of the film is not very strong. It takes this very horrific and urgent um, matter of the parents turning in the pigs and are going to be eaten and it kind of brushes it under the rug to tread water with the main character and the main character like fox said she yells a lot of her lines in this film and it 
is pretty irritating when it happens. You can you can understand it in certain parts, but it feels a lot like when she needs to get emotion out, she just yells as opposed to doing other things. And that's not great. And we talked about that in this. It's not all the child actor's fault. A lot of that lies with the decision of the director um, helping them out. So not a great decision, in my opinion. You know, I, I'm going to say it, I think. Spirited Away is not a good movie. Huh? Blasphemy. Spirited Away is a great movie. Besides uh, all these problems <laughs> that it has, the movie keeps you engrossed throughout the film. There's so much cool things to look at and see in the movie. It's it's beautiful. Every shot is a painting, and that's something Miyazaki does very well in all of his films. The music is the best in any Miyazaki film, and I would say is up there with John Williams for how good of a score it is within the film. It's one of the best musical scores for any movie you'll see. It's great. It gets, it hits all the right emotional beats, and it's memorable too, which isn't super common for a somber musical score like it is throughout a lot of this film. This is one of the um, first films I saw uh, that got me into watching anime and stuff. Um, my wife showed it to me when we were dating, so it's got a special place um, for me in that aspect because I really didn't watch a lot of anime before seeing this film. Um, it really opened the doors for me, as it did with a lot of other people in the U.S., for sure. And yeah, I know I've got that main criticism with it despite the movie winning an oscar but it isn't my favorite miyazaki film i like princess mononoke and castle in the sky better because they have that tighter knit plot structure than this film but that's not going to keep me from giving it a buy it because it is very very good despite the problems that i have with it I have this thing where I've been slowly taking all of my wife's copies of Miyazaki films and adding them to my uh, shelf, my movie collection shelf. I stole Castle of the Sky from her, and I stole this one from her too, so. Why buy when you can nab it? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Looping over here. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I would buy... A second copy of it to back up my rating if I had to. I did purchase Princess Mononoke with my own money, I'll say. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Well, I think that's a buy it. Run the real certified. That sounds like it. Man, I'm just going to say, I wish I would have watched this movie as a kid, too. I wish I would have seen all these when I was a kid. Man, it freaked me out as a kid. It was so scary. <laughs> I didn't even know about them until I was an adult. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know about these movies until I was in college. Were you guys not Toonami guys? Were they on Toonami? I watched Toonami. Oh man, they did Miyazaki marathons all the time on there. Really? Man, all I watched it for was Dragon Ball Z, probably, honestly. Oh, that was like the first time I caught Mononoke and Nausicaa was on those. Man, I gotta say, that review had me nervous, Stan. When you said it wasn't a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> There's the clickbait right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, just title an article that 
I'm just going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> Spirited Away isn't a good movie. <laughs> just title that, and then the first sentence can be, it's a great movie. You'll get so many clicks. That's right. I will. <laughs> I came up with that on the fly. I was just like, I criticized it a lot, so I'm just going to lead off with that. And then I'm going I'm to hit them with the Spirited Away is not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, such a roller coaster ride of emotions. <laughs> yeah, really. Just like this film. Is it's nuts. There's I've not watched a film where just like listening to the music and seeing the images makes me want to cry as much as this film. It's a very beautiful movie in many ways. It is, yeah. Well, I guess we've only got one request left, don't we? That we got to get through. You mean there's not a massive mound piled up high for us to <laughs> sift through? <laughs> I mean, we have a few le leftovers on the top, but I think we can hit those next time. Yeah. But for this round, I think we're going to do Crybaby as our final recommendation. A musical. We're coming back to musicals again. Oh, okay. I had not heard of this film before, so... I had not either till it was recommended, so I'm very curious about it. Right about where y'all are. It's like, what, a, a grief spoof? Uh, it's like a <laughs> grease spoof? Uh, what was that? A greasy spoon? A grief spoof. A grief spoof? <laughs> it's like a grease spoof? <laughs> I can't say that. It's like a grease spoof, right? Maybe say spoof of grief. I don't, oh, wait, I messed it up. No! <laughs> a brief goof, if you will? <laughs> yes. <laughs> a a grease goose. <laughs> I'm curious about it. I hope it's good. It's got uh, Johnny Depp in it, right? Yeah, one of his real early movies. Captain Jack Sparrow himself. Well, if any of you listeners have any recommendations or anything you want us to watch, you can hit us up at runtherealpodcast.gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook or on Twitter at runthereal. Hit us up. We want to hear recommendations from you. And also, did you like Spirited Away? Is it a classic? Is it slightly overrated, maybe? Is Dan crazy criticizing it and thinking it's slightly overrated? Let us know. Yeah. And I'll tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> oh! Is Fox in the wrong for giving it a watch it instead of a I buy I kind of feel like I am. Hmm. I feel a little bad about it, but I got to go with my gut, you know? <laughs> I can't deny my heart. <laughs> you got to go with your gut, just like the parents in the movie. Look what happened to them. I've already done that. <laughs> yeah, it's a little late. <laughs> <laughs> like and subscribe for more goofs. God. Yes, a greasy goof. Somebody get us out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Ring the bell. <laughs> Hit the join button. Man, I'm going to get us out of here because... Terry told me to turn off my heater because it makes too much noise, so it's been long. <laughs> I'm going to go turn it back on. That's right. Thanks for listening to us tonight. This is Run The Real, signing off. Mm -hmm.